I think technology can help us to bridge that gap. We can form a dialogue between building materials, cities, and technology. Hey guys, welcome to the Akyan Podcast. This is episode number twenty-one with architect Chandur Raghav Nagendran. You're about to enter the Akyan Podcast. Akyan Podcast, India's first and very own architecture podcast, where you'll hear the insights, experiences, and journeys from India's leading architects. No matter what your skill level is, together we'll build on our knowledge and share architecture's greatest stories ever told. Now, here's your host. Manish Paul Simon. Today we have with us architect plus researcher Chandu Raghav Nagendran, who is the co-founder of A Plus Art, based out of Coimbatore. He has completed his bachelor's in Anna University and went on to complete masters in advanced architecture from Institute of Advanced Architecture of Catalonia, Barcelona. It's also known as the IAAC. He worked on various interesting topics like designing intelligent buildings with graphene, urban noise, and testing soundscape with prototypes, facades which clean the city, user interactive tensile structures, passive architecture, and a whole host of very cool topics. All of which culminated in a TEDx speech in Vienna in 2017. You can check out his speech by heading to our podcast website, which is akyan.com/slash21. and he's also garnered various awards and accolades for his work and he's always giving informative speeches and teaching all across the country and the world and working towards the future of how we practice architecture so on this episode you guys will get a in-depth understanding of topics like robotic fabrication interface development virtual reality user interaction 3d printing and a whole host of other interesting topics We also discuss how Raghav got into architecture, his journey thus far, and also his goals and plans for the future. Do share this episode with whoever you feel might benefit, and please give us a like and subscribe, which helps us go a long way building the Akyan podcast. Now, without further ado, we have with us Chandur Raghav Nagendran. Before we get into these very interesting things that you've done over the years. Uh, let us hear your background story, like how you got into architecture, and was it something you wanted to do as a kid? As a kid, um, uh, I was introduced to um, master planning and uh, building cities. Um, uh, when I had a summer break, there was a course in in computer education where they introduced me to build uh, roads, build bridges, build cities. So that was the uh, that was not direct introduction to architecture, but uh, in a subconscious layer where we uh, you know where we start uh, understanding visually what are cities, what are bridges, what are roads. um on on software programs which were introduced in india so um thanks to my mom she introduced me to this uh, uh but um, as as when we evolve um as a kid and you know you you have a point in life where you have to choose a particular profession where you have to focus on to that uh, i was keen on photography i was keen on visual arts something something creative you know design products and details you know um, we were always um, looking at small small details in um, in light how to frame a picture and how to you know visualize a space um i was glued on to photography a lot and i would say that was my um my passion and uh, 
when I had to choose a profession, it was architecture, which was close to all these. When, uh, wherein you can relate to light, where you can relate to spaces, where you can relate to uh, art, and you, you can visualize and you know, create. Um, um, you, you have to go into someone else's shoes and then design for them. So I think that was something interesting. And as well, it was something creative. So architecture, uh, that, that would be the story behind uh, how I landed up in architecture. Awesome. So that is like a very creative uh, way of how you got into architecture, right? Yeah, it was something uh, which was indirect and then it became, then it, it was the only course where we can have uh, um, uh, product designing, industrial designing, landscape, where you have, um, um, you know, lighting, which plays an important role in framing spaces. And, um, and like a lot of people have, um, you know, directed themselves after architecture into all these uh, passions. So like my friends are into animation in you in uh, Disney, my friends are into um, like uh, photography. Even UI UX, like few of my friends are doing user experience and yeah, yeah, industrial experience. design. They are, into, they are in Google and Facebook. Yeah, it's so, awesome, right? As architects, we learn to build and now we're doing stuff for like these high tech companies. I mean, our potential is limitless, I guess. Correct, correct. I agree. All right. So how was your time studying architecture in architecture school, especially in India? And then you went, went on to do masters overseas, right? So how did that decision take place? Um, it was not like a decision like when uh, I did my undergrad at um, Anna University School of Architecture and Planning Chennai so um, I, and there you have the opportunity to work with pioneers in at least in South India you meet a lot of people from a lot of culture like a lot of craftsmen and um, there was there was evolution throughout the um, from the first till the final year so um, in the, the, there are a lot of architecture styles which you come across which you learn and then one at one point where you have to choose your thesis, I was um, uh, working with a lot of professors from MIT, uh, Boston. Oh, awesome. And, not the uh, Manipal, the actual MIT. Yeah, not the Manipal. <laughs> right. <laughs> the real, the real right. and uh, the main, uh, uh, the MIT there at uh, Boston. So, uh, um, thank God I had the opportunity to work with a lot of professors for this urban noise uh, research. So, this was in and, bachelor's itself. Yeah, this was in bachelor's when in, in the last year you have to, uh, that's when I started incorporating technology into into my thesis. I was I, one, one among them to create a blog where a lot of these researchers given their data, we collect the data and then that was something assimilated and presented. So um, even even now, it's oral hub uh, in, in Blogspot. It's so still there, right? still there. So awesome. like students who are around the world who are researching on urban noise or uh, sound and architecture can look at the blog even now we have a, and for my thesis it was Facebook so this all I did this around like 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 when Facebook was introduced like 10 years back when it was getting popular yeah so it was like in that um, phase it was getting introduced and what I did was I did I started a Facebook page where each and every research is published for students for published for researchers to give in their feedback oh, so nice. it, was, it was like a bottom-up approach um, unconsciously it was all I didn't know all these terms right then there and when we come to urban design when we come to understand what uh, how does data work in cities then I later came to know okay this is all something which added value to my thesis and uh, like I said in, from MIT they inspired me to connect computational methods they inspired me and they introduced me to design um, digitally and collect data and um, they understood uh, 
they understood the intent of the thesis uh, about how how does uh, urban noise, which is a which is a global threat in this world, we are where urban designers and and architects we have failed to address that issue, yeah. um, and it's so alarming. Um, you won't believe there are around two billion deaths in according to who? Oh wow! Just because of uh, urban noise in cities like Kolkata and where this uh, noise pollution is. Yeah, Bangalore is like a big one up there. Yeah, now Bangalore, now <laughs> Bangalore is getting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now Bangalore is on its way. So I think as urban designers and architects, we should address such. Uh, we have the we have the responsibility to address these um, issues. So uh, they understood that, and then um, I'm glad that they played an important role. There were other researchers too. Um, like with a lot of sound researchers who who, who provided data. Who but provided, how did you get in touch with these uh, researchers? Did you mail them or? Uh, yeah, one thing um, uh, which is amazing about these um, researchers are they're all um, super responsive, super uh, receptive to. So if you connect them with emails or uh, you ping them on LinkedIn or you ping them on um, um, your social media uh, platforms, right, right. They, they take time to reply. Maybe it takes a week or so, but um, you would definitely uh, you would they would reach um, if they have the resources. Even if they don't have the resources, they would connect you to someone who's really having those resources. So that's some, something amazing about uh, what I learned. So if you reach out, I think uh, you would get the data, whatever you require. So something I learned. Uh, so this R&D, this research and development started from this thesis. And uh, uh, unconsciously, I was introduced to Arduino, to microcontrollers, to user interfaces. So one thing interesting about my thesis was um, uh, we introduced uh, for the first time in an undergraduate thesis all working models which can respond to the user. So what we did was we had 50 samples, samples in the sense like 50 students, 50 uh, public members to actually experience soundscape in inside our college. So we created installations. I created a few of these installations with the help of my juniors who helped me and I, I have to thank them a lot. So like an exhibition, uh, right? Yeah, like an exhibition, like an installation, you know, like a pavilion right, right, where awesome. people can come and interact with them. So we create a lot of these soundscapes. We created these pleasant soundscapes, which can, you know, uh, buffer the actual noise in the city. So it was um, something which um, uh, we, we, we call them these prototypes, you know, these prototypes which um, um, which can give you data. It's, it's not about uh, just computational techniques. It's not about designing a software. It's about experience at the end of the day. So uh, we had a lot of people, like a lot of public, a lot of students giving in feedback. And then that was taken to the design and the output was born out of data. It was not born out of intuition. Mm, the thesis was born out of uh, data. And the research document is still available at um, at SAP library. So right. if uh, any of the students, like even now we get a lot of uh, messages uh, on, on a social media platform on on sound and architecture because now a lot of students uh, do research on sound uh, on recently even I got messages uh, on oral architecture which is about sound architecture how do they how do amphitheaters and uh, now now there are a lot of plugins like back then seven years back or eight years back we did not have plugins um, so you were using grasshopper and uh trying to figure out things yeah, right? yeah, we, yeah we were we were we were you know we were writing the code and we were writing the oh, definition wow, yeah. back then right? awesome but uh, but now there are a lot of plugins which can which can you know help you to create that uh, and break it down not write and sit and write already 
uh, Daniel Piker has already written the code. So, um, and a lot of plugins have come for helping you out of this. So, it's something interesting. If I get time, I would uh, go back to my thesis and <laughs> tweak tweak few portion of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I, a lot of us still want to like go back to our thesis. I you know just add some. bits and parts which make it even better yeah yeah because you know, because you, 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 you when over the years you evolve and your idea evolves and you want you want to add something better and better and better so uh, um, so when i presented vienna i had a few things which uh, on grasshopper which can you know have real time data so uh, when there is noise and when there's a public space uh, which is your uh, which is your design uh, project site um, imagine your public spaces adapt real time to urban noise so these are all the things like possibilities which we can think about how we can curb urban noise how we can you know um, buffer uh, from how to actually give them the real experience how to give the public how to give the user um and not just noise not just the uh, oral aspect but a sensorial experience which is most important it's awesome to hear that uh, you got to experience or you know explore so much when you are in your bachelors most of us you know do stuff like this generally when we go to masters or something right i'm glad because of uh, you know um because of the input given by these professors you know by the researchers by these uh, by the blogs the comments what we received from blogs you no know, try this try that and then started i started uploading these videos on youtube so people started giving us uh, giving me a lot of input and uh, and this is a lot of, must have been like a very important I, I, i'm i'm yeah <laughs> i was about <laughs> there was a lot of uh, i i i know I, i had to touch them a lot but i apologize in this uh, <laughs> in in this moment but um you know there's a lot of work when you do something away from the conventional you have to do uh, twice the amount of data collection twice the amount of uh, you have to produce a lot of drawings which the academic syllabus requires yeah. at the same time you have to produce uh, uh, substantiate them with data so yeah. there was first twice the amount of work and i i thank uh, my dean rani vedamu to man for giving me all the freedom to do it apart from the conventional uh, thesis topics so 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 that is a real connection to my question where this let me uh, you know this um, guided me to to select universities which were having the same sort of you know agenda i would say uh, where they were working on robotics where they were working on 3d printing where uh there is real time data collected from the streets and being used so there were a few universities like mit uh there were few uh, harvard was the one of them then eac i would say iac was one of them oh you call it as and, eac is it uh, i i was not yeah, in, okay yeah in spanish we we uh, we called it uh, eac and got used to that and now it's becoming an english word also uh, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> so you did your masters as soon as you completed your bachelors or did you work uh, for a while I did my research and uh, I, I did work for a while. Um, like I took a break. Uh, I did my research properly on which school, you know. Uh, it was all of it was it was like it was an accident which I when I came across um, yeah. So uh, one of my friends had I um, did a workshop there a summer school and then he passed me. his work is output of the um, of the workshop and then i i landed on the website so when i started seeing that it was quite something um the same is being done at mit the same is being done at uh, harvard and and barcelona is an amazing city so yeah absolutely especially if you are a barcelona football fan as well yeah and and if you been barcelona you have to be a messi fan so <laughs> 
being an EAC being in Barcelona was an added advantage that you have the opportunity to meet uh, and and see Gaudi, Antonio Gaudi's works like Sagrada Familia, which is a huge inspiration for parametrics. A lot of people um, when they visit that, you, they get to understand how parametrics has worked uh, when there was no grasshopper or, or rhino or, or dynamo. So how uh, how structures work, and then uh, one of our professors uh, was the um, is the architect who designs Sagrada Familia. So um, Mark is the guy who designs the um, Sagrada Familia's extension now. So he's one of our professors. So we get to work on parametrics and we work on concepts which are getting implemented. So it's a city where where you can you know, and it's a city and as a school where. You, if you have an idea, it will get implemented in a month or a month or two. Uh, like we we were working on a um, uh, th- thanks to the directors and academic people there. We they introduced us to work with um, smart city um, smart city missions where uh, there's a neighborhood in Barcelona where you cut down uh, cars. There are no cars allowed inside the neighborhood. Okay. Only pedestrians. Pedestrians. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's only pedestrians and only the people who own the uh, apartment or the or, or a or a part of it are allowed to enter the neighborhood. The rest is only pedestrians. So um, we were we, we had the opportunity to witness that being implemented by government policy, and um, there's a f- amazing fab lab there. Uh, they're working on smart citizen kits. So that sensor collects data from the citizens and gives it to the government officials or urban designers to design. So these are all things which are, um, which we have um, hands-on experience when we are around. Um, so this is uh, like the IoT, right? The Internet of Things, or exactly. This is something which um, this this these citizen uh, um, kits, the sensor kits, connect um, real-time data to your computers, to your uh, mobile smartphones, and this data could be accessed by the servers in a government official's office. Nice. So it's all real-time data from the user to the designer, and um, the Internet of uh, the IoT Internet of Things actually is implemented for not just um, our regular um, our regular products, but it's actually made useful for our um, our, our professional in architecture and urban designing. So that's something cool and. Um, yeah, it's fascinating like, uh, to know that IoT is even a big part of architecture and the construction industry, right? I think, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a revolution, I would say, industrial revolution 4.0, how we call it, where um, we are moving from mass production to mass customization. So, um, 3D printing is one of its um, one of the techniques which converts this mass production to mass customization. I think. Um, uh, in every neighborhood in Barcelona, there's a there's a 3D printing uh, hub oh, wow. where, you can okay. go, where you can go and 3D print whatever you need for your house. Say you need, need a door handle and you need it in a particular shape and uh, you need um, you can go to the to the hub 3D printing hub. You can just uh, give your uh, door handle design on a pen drive on a USB disc and you get your 3D printed door handle in like two hours or or an, or a half an hour depends on the model and is it expensive or i mean it doesn't matter since eventually everyone would uh, start doing 3d printing but for now i guess it's a bit expensive right 
or on yeah, which and, and it depends on yeah it, it depends on if you want to go for a steel or a brass one it's it's, it's cheaper than that but yeah see like when um, 3d printed 3d printers were introduced 6 7 years back they were expensive but now it's become very affordable for even a for domestic 3d printer so now we have these 300 by 300 uh, mm 3d printers for for, for schools and one thing uh, amazing about ultimaker and other companies is that they give these for free for institutions oh wow okay. so like a lot of institutions can make use of these facilities and give the students um um you know the opportunity to 3d print and see the designs so we were there in, for a presentation in sciarc we were there for a presentation. So, so good thing about um, uh, good thing about being at EAC is that we have these summer breaks where they they connect us with uh, Facebook. Uh, they, took, they took us to Google. Oh, nice. Were, okay. um, the new campus of Apple, and then so we were there in we were there with uh, the real Facebook headquarters. We were okay, there okay. at the real Apple headquarters, and we had interactions with them. Um, and it was such nostalgic standing in front of Steve Jobs auditorium where he introduced the thousand songs iPod uh, presentation and really? understanding the vision no, behind that man and the way the new campus is being shaped. When we were, when we were there, it was not yet open, the new campus, the headquarters of Apple. But something amazing there is that there's a lot of architecture research going on. So in Facebook, you see a lot of 3D printing labs, a lot of um, lot of pavilions where they where they have experimented with a lot of uh, amazing architects like Frank Carey and um, and in-house architects. They they're always on R&D, not just in technology but also in architecture. So, so Facebook and Google do hire a lot of architects as well, right? Yeah, there are a lot of architects in house. They there are a lot of um, people who they're they're there for R and D research and development. A lot of fab labs inside uh, Facebook and um, at Sayar too. So same thing happens at Sayar. So I, I was I was going there. Um, so what hap- what we're doing here at um, uh, at IAC in Barcelona. In Sayar, there's another uh, another world of digital. Uh, phenomena happening there. There are a lot of um, there are like three to four robots, and each um, each studio has a 3D printer, and and the facilities there are also something. And the opportunities is something where um, the 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 jury there at Sayak, I would say they are all. Um, I think when I was there, the jury was Ben Van Berkeley oh, from wow. UN Studio. So um, so, so you get the opportunity. Yeah, you get the opportunity to speak with them. So um, after coming back to Barcelona, we had Ben Van Berkeley for our own access. So now myself and Ben Van Berkeley chat each other whenever we meet. So oh, that's brilliant. Thanks, thanks to thanks to Iyak and Sayak <laughs> for for giving us the opportunity to work with and to, to converse with these people. And um, so yeah, you could take us through what uh, robotic fabrication is and uh, these various other things that you've learned in masters, which is applied uh, in the real world and all that for architecture and architects. See, robotic fabrication. I think um, now we are into a research program um, at A plus R Architects that 
we're looking at concrete 3d printing where we can make affordable homes for the homeless people all around the world uh, we're discussing with um, um, uh, with a few few agencies few organizations where this could become now it's not so affordable but we're looking at options where we can make it affordable and there's a um, huge vacuum for in especially in in india the, the for, for, for producing these affordable homes and something amazing about robotic fabrication is that that um, the manpower and the time behind it is um, 10 times 15 times lesser than uh, the conventional technique it's just that we need the technology unlike um, and unlike unlike tokyo japan or in, in beijing where we have um, huge resources for robots and yeah even dubai they built a whole uh, building with a robot right like yeah in concrete so yeah. um, i think um, i think we need to have the and uh, hopefully with the help of we, we spoke with a lot of government agencies but they they bit hesitant so we now we are discussing with a lot of private people and let's see let's hope to see we will have some uh, you know 3d printed uh, homes yeah that's the thing right we study a lot about 3d printing robotic fabrication but most of us like when we come back we still we still go back to our old roots so like how do we bring that technology to india on a larger scale and you know not only help uh, fellow architects but even students get into the space so so um, thanks for mentioning that but um, yeah students get to like a lot of uh, these universities now in uh, like a lot, a lot of architecture colleges in india now are really interested to invest in robotics um, so i i, I heard a lot of uh, people saying that um, i heard it from uh, a robotic company like call, we call them there's a company called kuka uh, like last month we had a meeting with them and i heard a lot of like in, like in, institutions like nit and a lot of institutions in like mumbai there like ordered kuka for their uh, for their school so that you know the students get a hands on experience on robotic architecture so we we will like looking forward for a lot of workshops for them so that we introduce them to digital fabrication first i think this um, like when i teach in delhi when i teach in mumbai um, they are introduced to a lot of digital fabrication when i when i introduce them to um, two axis we call them two two three and robot is six axis so um, milling is a three axis uh, digital fabrication tool laser cutting is a two axis um, fabrication technique and robots are either six or eight axis uh, fabrication technique so now we starting to introduce these two and three axis so what does it mean uh, six axis so six axis you mean for example in rhino we have x y and um, z. z right z. yeah yeah, yeah. So um, th- that is three axes. Okay, we call them okay, X, right, Y, right. Z. But um, a robot has uh, another six, another three. Like the the table rotates, and that is uh, how do I explain it over a over an audio? Um, imagine you split X, Y, Z into halves. So even that is gonna be another axis. Uh, for the rotating table and for the robot, so there is three plus three, six axis. You okay. understand the right, table right, turns right. in another axis, and the uh, the robot rotates in these three axis. So you have an addition, ad, ad, added advantage of uh, another three-dimensional character with the robot, which is not available with CNC milling or a laser cut. Uh-huh. Okay. Cool. So it's like a six-dimensional, six-dimensional. Um, we call it 6D. We, we can move the robot in all these. Uh, and the robot is even aware of its surroundings and all that, right? 
so those are called those are those advanced robots okay, um, okay. which senses the you know um, which, which which can sense people which can sense touch those are those advanced robots which are um, which are those domestic and which are which are colla- these are called these are called as human and uh, collaborative robots uh, what we had uh, at diac was an industrial robot so you have to be aware of the robot <laughs> <laughs> okay it doesn't it doesn't listen to you yeah i was watching few videos of autodesk where they were doing uh, where the robots were even aware of their surroundings and you could uh, make a robot imitate your actions or uh, stuff like that yeah so those are called that is that is ai that is artificial intelligence no so you show, you train the robot so now in mit they have successfully finished a research where you can teach a robot how to pick the correct uh, object so um, so it's it's over and over and over uh, 10 to 15 cycles so you educate the robot to okay. to pick the correct selected object so um, i think they have like i think 6 months back they have successfully finished the ai artificial intelligence oh, awesome project. like uh, the alpha zero you know the chess uh, ai which learned chess on its right, own and right, then right, beat right, its right, grandmaster right, exactly right. exactly i think that's the same thing what i was trying to say how, like how do we architects get into this space i mean this space is just amazing ai and machine learning right yeah mm, so uh, as far as what i see is that like a lot of people like a lot of architects now in stuttgart um, okay. now uh, i saw a recent research where we are um, where they are working on uh, drones mm, which can start you know start constructing brick walls where uh, they understand and do a three dimensional mapping so we also had an opportunity to 3d three dimensionally map a particular space with a drone oh, awesome. and the drone okay. is autonomous so you don't have to program it and control it manually it is autonomous it is uh, it is uh, it it recognizes the uh, the people around it it recognizes the uh, topography it gives you the real time scanning of spaces and as in, in as in, in artificial intelligence in, in terms of uh, your question is headed towards practice in architecture or in research in architecture like there was one article where floor plans can be adjusted uh, if the heights change then the floor plate changes i mean that is not artificial intelligence but still uh, yeah parametric real time yeah that, that's parametric real time but yeah. um, artificial intelligence in the sense data collection is something which is which can be controlled uh, artificially so um, so uh, like like i mentioned to you before right like urban designs uh now we go collect them uh, like a lot of schools we have like students go to the streets go to the um go to the site and collect them which is good but in a sense we can automate this with that there we can use a lot of artificial intelligence where data is being provided data is being collected autonomously then um, where we can use a lot of these uh, sensor kits where we can use these um where we can use technology infuse them and we can make the process much more accurate much more uh, intelligent that, that is the that is the next uh, topic which is something interesting where um, we are always deal with um with data which is dynamic we always deal with um, a social media which is dynamic we always deal with um, we, we we have smartphones which were um, which is dynamic but our buildings 
our cities are just static you know they are yeah, yeah. they're not responsive buildings are not responsive not to the user not to the nature but i think there is a void in that you no know? there's a gap in that where we have not bridged it i think technology can help us to bridge that gap you know? we can form a dialogue between uh, building materials cities and technology where uh, that that was one of the most important and significant researches where we used graphene i think you would have seen in yeah, the, yeah. in another the tedx tedx talk yes yeah i think uh, thanks to again uh, one more um, university from italy where um, there's an uh, there's an institute called iit italy where we, they were they were um, they were warm enough to give us graphene um, and uh, help us with the research and this uh, opened us to a new topic where responsive architecture and cities was born out of so right. um so we created a prototype uh, where the user can interact with architecture and it can sense the signals and it can you know send it to a server or a microcontroller so this is where your artificial intelligence plays into uh, you know comes into the picture okay where um, imagine there is no gap between gadgets and your building materials or gadgets and your cities there is one layer where all this is all packed within oh there are no plugins so now we are talking about smart devices now we are talking about smart architecture but if imagine if it's all infused into 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 one particular shell so that is possible with this prototype what we did whether um, we coated graphene onto a, onto a skin of silicon material okay and wh- and what happens is that that skin becomes intelligent as soon as you uh, have graphene in because graphene is six times more durable than carbon powder and 1000 times more um, uh, more uh, you know um, more durable than a normal semiconductor right right which can which is being used in sensors so um, not i'm not going into technical but aspect but why has it graphene taken over the world then like you know if it's such a useful material the only thing which we are lagging now is the pro- production of graphene so again we have to go back to mit they have invented a, a machine which can mass produce graphene uh, graphene is nothing but a two dimensional layer of graphite so if you if you touch your uh, graphite pencils mm-hmm. you would find a shiny layer on your finger have correct, you noticed that correct yeah that shiny layer is graphene extract so 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 extraction of graphene and mass production of graphene is where we are lagging so once we uh, already we have already sorted out uh, the production it's not there in india yet. but once we have that mass production i think it will revolutionize already we have graphene batteries already we have graphene coated uh, semiconductors which are being used in flexible phones and flexible tvs so whatever you see these concepts future concepts on the on youtube on where samsung or uh, um, or any other company from from japan are, are introducing you to flexible uh, devices those are all are achieved with the help of uh, graphene as a as a semiconductor because graphene can be coated on flexible devices right right nice and it's 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 far more durable and just that it's uh, it's quite expensive and the production is quite less so once that is sorted out and then it'll become like carbon powder like how um, once we had griglin in our uh, for our seminar and he to- he introduced us 
how um, carbon fiber is being used um, extensively in his research. So when we had an interaction with Greg Lynn, um, in his studio, he introduced us uh, carbon fiber is being used for his boats um, and his sails. So his sails are all made out of carbon fiber, which is uh, again two to three times uh, stronger than normal synthetic fiber. So, but it's quite expensive, but um, it's, it's durable and it can sense and it can, you know, uh, he even pointed out that he's working on a furniture which can sense your um, body temperature and adapt to it. So, there are a lot of uh, positives when we have a new material, but it takes time for you to, you know, for them to produce it and uh, to have mass production units for that. So we are waiting for, fingers crossed, we are, hopefully we will we'll soon have a factory in India which can produce huge amounts of graphene and we will have intelligent buildings and cities all over the world. Awesome. So I guess you must have played with a lot of materials, right? Back then when you were doing your masters. Yeah, you know? we had a, one of our studios was um, uh, digital uh, matter and um, and research. So um, our academic director, Areti Markapolo, who is one of the academic, who is one of the directors of EAG, was our studio heads. So we work with um, each each team works with different material and luckily we, um, um, I got graphene as one of the materials. So that's when we can you know we had hands-on experience. It's not about theory. So whatever whatever we are mentioning here in this, uh, it's not theory. It's actually it's not tangible, theory. We're tangible talking evidence. About, yeah. yeah, tangible prototypes. We have if you go to the video, if you or if you can share the video to the to the audience, they could see prototypes which can work. We are, we are not talking about uh, the studio, the material research lab is not about concepts it's not about theory it's all about prototypes which can work if it does not work we we we, we trash that material so we're talking about bioplastics if you're talking about um, 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 we had another project where they worked with foam polyurethane foam which can insulate buildings right. we, we, there was another studio where they worked with um, coffee extracts coffee waste oh, which wow, can become okay. building skins like it can become bioplastic skin so um, which can sense the temperature and uh, uh, we can adapt to that but so do you feel that these materials just uh, stick on only to the studio and not come out to the real world uh, I, I know this question was coming from you <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm prepared for that so um, so what is amazing about um, about the studio is that um, the next step of our studio is to make it large scale so what we did as a graphene project for a um, for a five feet by five feet skin was you know was um, uh, in an open thesis fabrication studio we made it large scale though they what they did as a continuation of the research was that they did, they built a huge house and they had graphene infused into clay 3d printed so um, in in that particular boundaries they have their um, um, they have the limits right. but it doesn't stay with the studio, it goes to the real site, it goes to okay. the real project. And one of the students' project, uh, I think, I believe it was my it was my senior. Uh, so his concept was made into a building. So, um, I cannot remember the building's name. So what happens is that it is, it is uh, that is called, it is, um, the facade is infused with, um, 
uh, I think helium gas. Okay. And what happens is that when there is um, when when it's summer in Barcelona, it's 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 peak. It's it goes more than 44 or 43. Oh right. Okay. Uh, and it's it, and it's pretty and sharp, so you cannot stay inside your office. This facade, what happens? The helium gets filled in the facade, and it starts to diffuse the light and the temperature. So oh, this right. responsive building. Um, oh my, the name. I would I would share that to you on the in the link. Right, right, sure. Um, this is uh, done by one of the um, one of this was one of the studio projects. So it doesn't stay in the studio. If there's the right opportunity, if there's a the right project, if there's a the right requirement, it, it becomes. Um, and now we are also like the 3D printed project, right? Which we dis- we were discussing about. Those projects are all already made into houses, and already made into complexes, already made into um, you know complex projects where where vernacular architecture is very important. So one thing which uh, this technology can help you is to to bring back the lost crafts, right? Um, clay architecture, what we see in Iran, what we see in Jaipur, what we see in uh, um, what we see in India is lost because there's loss of manpower, like loss of skilled manpower. So something which um, which the, um, which which robotics, uh, which this which this technology can bring in, help preserve to bring the, back, yeah. yeah, preserve the craft. I think. Uh, um, but it's not going to replace. Ideally, you're not the right way, but still, in a way, it's still preserving, right? Yeah. Um, what we one of the major things in our studio was to you know um, be contextual. We be contextual, make it climate conscious. You no, know, we have to design. A, so one wall which we did with 3D printing. If you see, if you if you research on Terra Performa, uh, it is one of the projects which can cut down summer sun. Uh, and which can allow the uh, winter sun. So the, the the facade was designed in such a way where the um, thermal conductivity of the wall will block the summer sun. So the time taken for the sun to penetrate into your room would be around eight to nine hours. So you would you, so you would cross the day. So only okay. during the night you will have the heat coming inside oh, your room. Oh, that's brilliant, man! Just listening to that is like whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so something which we no, this is not something about concepts, and we have tested this with sensors. So something that is unique about uh, unique style, what I have learned from my masters is that it doesn't stay on books, it doesn't stay on paper, it doesn't stay on the, your studio table. We actually try our hands on uh, at site. We try actually prove the data and collect the data and show the reports to the jury. Something that is. Um, uh, which we are not doing here. I, I, yeah. So when do you feel that would come about in India as well? We're trying to do it in bits and pieces now. When I when I go for um, you know as a, when I go to the visiting faculty or when I go for a workshop, when we conduct workshops, we do we we start them from right from the first year. Uh, like recently, one of my students in the first year, they did a working model to prove their concept. So uh, they like if you see if you go to my YouTube page, you would see kinetic architecture right in the second year where they don't talk with uh, sheets, they don't talk with just plans and elevation, they talk with working models. So I'm in a, in a, in a, in a, um, um, not in, we, we cannot you know revolutionize the whole scenario in India. Which, but um, each one is playing their uh, um, like a lot of a lot of other fellow architects are trying to make responsive facades. Like a lot of people are working on 
um in education like in academics a lot of people are conducting workshops to make this uh, happen so it it, it 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 will happen but it, um i hope it happens faster <laughs> and you're collaborating with a lot of architects uh, in india um Not yeah, really. we, we work together we, we we work together on workshops we work with uh, we have a lot of we discuss a lot of things when when we are till when we, we meet for uh, conferences like recently we had a conference at krva mumbai we had a um we had a lot of we made a lot of forums and um we work on a few concepts which we for for education yes for practice we are still in discussion so looking forward we work with a um, lot of architects in amsterdam and italy we so this was your connections from masters which you've like uh, sort correct, of built correct, up correct correct, built correct, up, correct, yeah. correct that's what i think which is good about um, so this directly relates relates to you know um, fact that whether masters is needed or not whether you know people are in a dilemma whether to choose masters where to choose masters how is it is it really valuable i get a lot of questions from uh from students saying what is the point of doing masters i, I think um to answer to that question i think this will be help, this will be helpful for a lot of students right um i think it's up, up, it's, it's very personal but i think um, it's subjective too it's it depends on uh what you seek for you know if you seek for uh research then you have to focus on that particular part if you seek for networking i think um, you have to focus on that if you seek for you know um uh on i would say research i would say uh, if you if you focus on creating a research paper so so during this um, during this masters like we had the opportunity to to write two research papers and to publish in them for arcadia and other con- other conferences so it's not just um, prototypes and uh, hands on experience but you also work with researchers so there are two uh, different paths which um, when you do masters and it's up to us to choose which path you are um, um, you know you are interested on and you want to take it up awesome. and there are perks like a lot of perks you get to connect with a lot of these international architects which maybe you could be using it for your uh, architectural projects or um, or so and nowadays since it's a globalized world uh, you could practically stay in one country and practice in another right Yeah, yeah 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 my my uh, my visiting professors they they teach in barcelona but they do projects in us they like for example mark burry who is the guy who's designing the sagrada familia uh, he he has his office in australia so oh nice uh, but he teaches at barcelona so i think something uh, there's a lot of things to learn from them so and lot of things you get exposed to uh, which in a sort of um, you know indirectly inspires you or motivates you to do something back when you come here but it's difficult you know in india it's difficult but yeah with bits and pieces we're trying <laughs> okay awesome uh, raghav that was pretty in depth on certain topics i mean i'm still uh, you know trying to recover from the amount of knowledge that i could you know gain from talking to you what are some of your plans uh, going ahead uh, in the future um a lot of plans um um in terms of um in terms of practice you mean or in terms of yeah, academic in research? terms of practice and in terms of you know just, just since you keep learning on the go as well right research and all that i think we are always a student <laughs> yeah we are always a student i think in life um, at least my philosophy is that i am um is that there's never a point where you finish learning 
there's never a point where you are content with learning at least myself I, every time like last month when we presented at tedx uh, last two months back we presented at um, tedx chennai and there was a lot of to learn from a lot of young people who are bankers there were a lot of people who were uh, from information technology there were a lot of people who interpreted the presentation in a whole uh, in, in a very uh, in, a, in a very different um, uh sense so for them uh, what matters is something else so from art as architects we um, focus on things which uh, from a technical aspect which matter to us but for them it matters how much value to do as architects we provide to them so now uh, our future plan is to Mm, like I told you, to provide affordable housing for the homeless people all around the world, which are uh, especially in India, where there are billions and billions of people who don't have shelter. So we are looking at uh, solving and giving them the right solution uh, and giving them value. So uh, it's not about uh, it's not about money. It's not about um, um, it's not about uh, technology, but it's about providing basic basic uh, shelter and basic value to millions and millions of people who don't have do don't even have a roof uh, above their heads so that's i think one of the mo- one of the long term pa- plans what we have as um, as a firm and short term plans are of course you no know, um, grow globally grow um, and provide more solutions not just um, uh, we have developed a virtual reality lab where we are researching on uh, connecting architecture to virtual reality we have a research lab where we connect um, our 3d printing to a presentation and we're working on artificial intelligence like in uh, now recently i got uh, interested in python coding okay so you started so, learning python coding yeah i uh, actually finished learning python okay. now we're trying to <laughs> now we're trying to you know integrate it into um into you know conventionally uh, how to we you know um, connect um, artificial intelligence to uh, practice like you said you know what happens when a client gives you a requirement and uh, we have a code which can put together the um, the, 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 the number of iterations which uh, uh, from the data so nice. to make it more simple if you have a client in your office and they give you requirements and we should have uh, an output which is born out of artificial intelligence so i think uh, these are the, these are the topics uh, this is coming uh, uh, right over this conversation this is not <laughs> this is not fully baked idea but okay, okay. We, are, we are working with uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome so by the time we have you on the next uh, episode you'll be like up and running with your ai codes and all that right hopefully i would meet you soon uh, and we would be able to show you something <laughs> awesome. not discuss not discuss on these artificial intelligence topics we would uh, you know have something interesting to um, so now we have you know moved on we are trying to infuse technology in whatever way we can you know in terms of presentation to the client in terms of um, measurement uh, at site we're talking about um, connecting computationally uh, we work back and forth um, we try to have sensors in cities we try to discuss with governments um, and different governments and different uh, state governments and and central to see what possible value we can give it as as architects or urban designers or or, or as a common man it doesn't matter but what value do we give back to the society is what is important and in terms of academics um, we do a lot of research workshops where we, uh, we discuss and learn a lot of topics like um, how do we connect parametrics to beginners like in first and second years how do they learn uh, digital platforms in the third year or second year how do we introduce them how do we optimize their outputs 
um how do we um bring them awareness um about a lot of techniques and strategies how to maximize their output with less amount of um uh with optimizing their you know um their right. workflow is something right. which we are working on uh we do a lot of workshops in kinetic responsive facades we do a lot of uh, facades in um lot of uh, we work with a lot of materials like clay we we try to doing something new where we can use digital fabrication and modern technology to uh, revive the, um, the lost craft like i told you we bring in materials like clay bamboo and we use digital fabrication digital tools um to make something parametric i hope you uh, it was simple enough yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm a bit aware of. I mean, I had plans of doing masters on parametric. Hopefully, in the future, I will. Well, looking, but it's yeah. good to know, yeah. That, but how do you manage your time doing so many things? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it's, we are getting informal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, time management is something which uh, which is difficult. So you have to do um, um, maybe practice uh, architecture practice. during the day and research is during the you know in the late evenings maybe there's no schedule for architects <laughs> if i'm not wrong <laughs> absolutely there's no there's no uh, as far as i'm not i'm not um, i'm 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 not become i'm not crossed 25 years 30 years in architecture but uh, thanks to god over these uh, few years what i've spent there's no particular schedule which we can work on we cannot say i will have my breakfast at 9 to 10 or between 9 to 10 and say i can have my lunch so it all it's all flexible it's all adaptable and whenever you have time when we are traveling you do a bit of research you compile when you write a research paper uh, maybe you uh, you speak with people like you, you know um, with amazing people like you uh, you <laughs> learn a lot all this conversation and with the questions what you have asked i think um, it opens a new uh, dimension like um, uh, like you mentioned um, when you mentioned about artificial intelligence in practice there's a whole new dimension which is born out of my yeah absolutely no, about uh, how your firm can you know function how your research can work how do students how do you collect the performance of students how do we analyze that so all those things are all which can become automated which can be controlled by artificial intelligence so these are all things which can which are born out of just this conversation which i'm having with you so thanks to you first of all um, uh, like when we when, we, when we, there's no schedule there's no it, it born you know it, it is born out of uh, maybe a chai maybe a maybe a coffee ஜென்ரல்ஸ்டி uh is masters valuable is it gonna you know are we gonna um, uh you know reap the benefits out of masters so those things i think um i think this podcast what you have uh, you know organized would help them you know, um, uh, now when they listen to this i think they would get a lot of answers for that um and yeah, even um, i've got and, a lot of answers man seriously <laughs> <laughs> i i hope you're not pulling my leg <laughs> <laughs> no no for real <laughs> 
So, um, so I think uh, I, I, once they listen to this, and there'll be a lot of answers for them. Because it's, this is, uh, I, we have discussed about the journey of how we sort out, a, uh, how uh, your thesis uh, gives you an idea about your masters, how that links into your architecture practice. And um, um, one thing is that you, whatever you learn, you have to stay connected with them. So, uh, right now we try to use a lot of parametrics into like product designing, a lot of interior designing, a lot of um, facade architecture, a lot of um, so that we don't, you know, we don't get diluted among the, you know, in, the, in, in conventional architecture. So, um, uh, I think staying staying in connected with um, the young people, like whenever we go for workshops or whenever I go for uh, as a visiting faculty, when you throw them a, a design brief, they come up with a, a different perspective from the brief, you know, they have their own, uh, if there are 40 people in your studio, 40 people have 40 different uh, perspective and approach to that a right. problem. Yeah. So you get to learn a lot of uh, things when you interact with students and young people and it's all a back and forth process. You learn and then you share and then they they give you a lot of output and you they learn. So it's a it's a win win situation and it's a it's a symbiotic relationship, I would say. Awesome. And coming to a close, uh, Raghu, what one advice would you give to young architects and uh, students in India or even in the world in general, yeah? Advice, I think I'm too young to give advice, but <laughs> I would I would suggest, you know, we have... I mean, at least from the fact that uh, all your work culminated to a TEDx speech and you've done quite a lot in a short span of time. So that's quite an achievement, quite a feat. All praise to God, thanks. But uh, you're making it... Uh, you, you took kind-hearted, thank you for that <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> compliment. Uh, yeah, there's a long way to go. Uh, I believe um, there's a lot more to ex- explore, uh, I, I, even for myself. Uh, but along the journey, you get to meet a lot of people. Like, for example, in TEDx Vienna, we got, uh, got to meet people who have um, uh, helped people in the war. In, in Syria war, awesome. like a lot of people, they have provided a lot of value for for refugees. Uh, a lot of people who have, you know, who, who don't have shelter. So, so when you travel and when you meet people, uh, like there were around 3,000 audience in TEDx Vienna, which were, they were from 40 different countries and 20 different speakers who were from all around the world who have wow. provided a lot of value. And thanks to God, I was there among the 20 speakers to get to learn about what life. Um, and real value of life is and why why do we um, the reason for our existence so I think um, um, from my personal journey I would say there is a lot uh, we can provide a lot of value as architects as um, as researchers um, to a lot of people who need our advice who need our um, suggestions who need our support so I would suggest in whatever way we can we can start providing and thinking about see um, see uh, architecture business is of course we need it we need it for our survival <laughs> but um, as, a, as an extension as an extended part of our uh, studio uh, we can provide uh, a bit of our services to provide values for these people who are in need of like refugee camps who need our uh, there are a lot of floods I think today's uh, most important discussion what we should be talking about is floods in India 
but as architects and as urban designers, uh, how are we going to provide value and how are we going to um, address this issue in India today? So um, I would suggest students, young architects or uh, experienced architects to address this major issue in India. Um, it is a humble request from uh, from from a young um, from a young guy like me to 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 come as a group. As a, as a society and uh, for example our, uh, our neighboring uh, our neighborhoods like Kerala or Bangalore uh, Bangalore I, I think I'm blessed but in Kerala we see like a lot of my yeah one of my architects in my studio I saw this photo from uh, just in my whatsapp that his house, house is flooded with water and um, water is not just three or five feet it's around six feet of water inside his house and um, my my request or suggestion would be is to um, address address these um, these global threats and um, as a community of architects as students we have to think about our solutions we have to think about how we can design these um, design in a better way, in a design in a better, um, uh, con- no, thinking about the nature, thinking about um, resources, thinking about global warming, thinking about, um, that is what as uh, um, as an architect we can give for the future. So we are building the future and I think we should retain something for the future. Um, uh, that would be my, <laughs> that would be not my advice, but just a suggestion yeah, which I am. Yeah, as uh, good as um, advice. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I think, I think that, that should be a thought behind whenever we make concrete jungle, we have to yeah, think yeah. about how do we retain the resources. So um, that would be a humble request and a suggestion for all the youngsters and for all the architects uh, in, in India or wherever they are to think about um, um, how do we address these um, national threats. Today I see around uh, um, around 40 to 45 percent of India is, un, is, is is having this problem. Um, I saw a graphic just before the conversation, which I started with you. Okay. That uh, in each state, are at least 10 to 15 percent is underwater, and uh, there are uh, 89 to 90 people who are um, for no more. Okay. You know, there, there are 90 deaths just because of uh, flooding. Right. Right. And um, I, I hope as uh, when we start uh, when we start addressing as a community and as a society, and we start making this intelligent, <laughs> like we like we spoke about, you know, intelligent is not just infusing technology, but at, at the same time being responsive to nature. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully I think we'll that's have the these way intelligent I, yeah. buildings which can address, uh, which can, which there's a, there's a, this is a triangular relationship, you know, it's a dialogue between nature. Uh, built environment and the and the user. So once we have this uh, uh, triangular relationship established, then all these things fall into place. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, and the balance. Once we have the balance, everything is uh, hopefully. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Correct. All right, Raghu. Thanks a lot for coming on to the Akyan podcast and uh, giving your thoughts and your experiences. Uh, it was, uh, I'm sure, a learning experience, and our listeners are going to learn a lot from what you had to share. Um, what's the best way our listeners uh, could get in touch with you in case they would like to maybe uh, uh, learn more about your work or uh, the stuff you do 
Um, we we um, in best way in getting in touch. I think there are um, they are on all the social media platforms. Chindu uh, Raghav Nagendra or Chindu Raghav. If you type on Google, there are all my um, uh, there's my history and there they have my contact number. There's a website um, a plus r dot in and architectraghav.com where we have published all our researches and uh, you have my contact number also my mobile number also on the website so yeah. i think i'm easily accessible <laughs> for awesome. all your queries awesome. i'm one of the most easily accessible architects <laughs> <laughs> awesome all right thanks raghav once again we hope to have you in the future and uh, yeah yeah thank you thank you so much uh, manish i think it was um, uh, um, it was like uh, it was like a very a uh, casual conversation it was not like a uh, you know formal way of uh, well, there yeah. was a lot of information tran- uh, you know um, yeah, yeah, a lot of transfer yeah. happening between you and me but it was all uh, very very smooth one so uh, thank you for having me uh, on agyan and uh, i would appreciate agyan also for this amazing initiative to connect uh, architects and young students and uh, architects uh, who are practicing on a on a pod- podcast like what happens i have seen a lot of these in us but i think this initiative in india is something which i have to appreciate it and uh, i wish you all the best to have a lot more pod- podcast and a uh, lot more information uh, which is um, i think your love for uh, students and architects is unconditional <laughs> yeah absolutely so, uh, so <laughs> i mean my love for information in general and sharing that information i think is very paramount now nowadays which i sort of missed out in my architecture school so this is that's one of the reasons why i'm doing this right right i think that's something i was talking about you know providing value and i think you're doing it on a global front i wish you all the best and i uh, i would um, uh, you know it, it is my and my honor and pleasure to uh, to participate in this uh, podcast and looking forward for more and i'm going to start following up i request all the students and young uh, architects to follow our gyan awesome awesome thanks raghav i'm almost in tears now <laughs> All right. Thanks, Raghu. We'll see you you. again. Uh, This is uh, Manish signing off. Thanks, guys, for listening. We hope to have you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Ak Young Podcast. We're still building the community. Please share this knowledge with someone you know who could benefit. Just send them to akyoung.com where you'll find our free newsletter and for more podcast episodes. Search for the show on any major podcasting platform. Don't forget to subscribe where you're listening right now. And if you liked it, leave a rating or review.